so fun game just to start with. Um, I'm going to play, start a song, and you've got to sing the next line, right? So I'm going to sing a line, and then you've got to go for it. Do you reckon you can do that? I'll try and choose songs that we all know. I just, this is just purely to make me relax and get you warmed up. So it uh, functions in two ways. Today is going to be the day when I... That was nearly good. We'll try that one more time. Today is going to be the day when I... By now. By now. All right. Yeah, it's about maybe 25% of the room knows that one. Uh, what about... Okay, here. So here it is. A little bit better? No, okay. Uh, here's, oh, here's one for the older folks in the room. Lie, 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 Ready? Listen a big bit. Lie, lie. Interesting. That was the biggest one. Oh, that says something about the age group in the room. All right, enough of that. That's just playing. Uh, cool. Okay, so Jez said, uh, we're, we're, I wanted to do something, sim something different. Um, and so we're going to try that. So basically, I've never seen worship and preaching married together, put to do into one thing. And maybe there's a good reason behind that. Maybe, yeah, it's for good reason. But we're going to try it this morning. If in 35 minutes, we, you know, oh, well, that's why they don't do that. <laughs> is it? So anyway, this morning we're going to be speaking on the subject of worship. Um, but we started the year back in January uh, looking at some core biblical values that we see modeled in the early church. We read about them in the book of Acts. We've, we haven't, we've spent two months and we haven't really got any further than Acts 4, um, which is really great. And what we've, we've learned about hospitality, having a biblical mindset of how we welcome one another. You know, what we read about in the book of Acts, which I was speaking to a friend this morning who's just investigating this book at the moment, and what we see in the book of Acts is hospitality that goes beyond racial boundaries, hospitality that goes beyond political class, hospitality that goes beyond all our differences, hospitality that seeks to show the love of God to anyone and everyone. And so we spent about a month looking at hospitality and practicing that, and we want that to continue and then last month, back in February, all that time ago, we, um, we've been going through generosity, which I don't know about you, I found deeply challenging, like deeply challenging. Just money and wealth uh, is such a big deal in our culture, and it's been really helpful for me, for us, I hope as well, just to get a biblical understanding of what God thinks about our money. He doesn't hate our money, but what he says is, here's how we use it well. Here's how we use it to bless others. And so that's been deeply challenging. I found that deeply challenging and, and really helpful. So we've been looking at these core values to Christianity uh, based on the book of Acts. And, and this morning, we're going to look at the subject of worship, which is something I care deeply about. Um, and, and it's a broad subject. And where is the first two, uh, you know, hospitality and generosity? We really just dived into the book of Acts and we're looking at Acts 2 and Acts 4. With this, I'm just going to, uh, like shotgun, scattergun, I'm just going to pick my favorite bits. <laughs> Go, I like that one. I'm going to talk about that. And, 
it's not quite true, but I want us to look around at some... The Bible has much to say on the subject of worship, and there's much we can learn about worship. And worship is like a massive topic. It's a vast topic. You, it's, uh, you speak to any Christian, and, and they will know. Like, worship is just... Worship is vast, right? And, and Paul is writing to a church in Rome, and he says this in the 12th chapter of his letter to the church in Rome. He says... Um, he appeals, he pleads with them. He says, look, I appeal to you, therefore, in view of the mercy of God, in view of God's mercy and understanding, having seen the mercy of God, therefore, offer yourselves now, present your bodies, your whole lives, offer yourselves uh, as living sacrifices. Don't go around killing each other and killing yourselves. No, no, offer your bodies, give yourselves, set yourselves apart. Set yourselves apart as acceptable uh, to God. He says, that, and then he, and then he concludes that little sentence where I had, this is your spiritual worship. And so worship is vast. You could, it's a lifestyle. And we could spend the next six weeks learning about how we can worship in different ways, in our workplaces, and in our conversations. And that's not really what I want to get into too much this morning. What I really want to talk about this morning, I guess, is kind of what worship is as we respond. And just notice in that little thing from Paul, he says, in view of God's mercy, it's a response, in response to God's mercy. And so we talk a little bit about that. And I also want to talk about what the expectations are when we gather. Like, why do we have half an hour of singing? What's that about? Like, and, and so there's some, there's, there's, some, there's some things I want to get into. But worship is also, you, you don't have to go too far to find it. Like, YouTube, you can, you know, is full of worship videos or or the latest worship song, and and this is a big thing. Uh, big, you know, 50 years ago, people might have travelled miles and miles and miles to go and see a visiting speaker or a preacher and go and listen to Martin Lloyd Jones or perhaps someone like uh, Billy Graham. You might have gone for miles and miles. Today, people go miles and miles and miles to see Phil Wickham lead worship or Wren's Collective, and so worship in the last 20, 30 years has become this kind of industry. Uh, and, and there's musicians all around the world writing great songs, really good stuff. It's really helpful for us. But it's become this massive thing, bigger perhaps than, than, than it's ever been in the past. And so it's helpful for us to go, well, why do, why do we do things the way we do things? Why is it such a big deal? And, and what can we learn? What are some good take-homes that we can get? And so really, that's what I want to look at this morning. Why worship? And then revelation, what, uh, Matt Redman coins this phrase, Matt, revela- uh, revelation leads to response. And, and, uh, and uh, Andrew Wilson uses this phrase, Grat- grace leads to gratitude. Um, so we're going to look at some of that. Um, we're going to look at what, what, when God says, I have put my spirit in you now. God is now with us. So we're going to look at that and unpack some of that. And then the other thing I wanted to look at is what it happens when we are together, a charismatic community. And that really is a very religious word, if ever you heard one, charismatic. And I, I, had, I, was, I was tempted to get a note, a flip chart, and be like, right, charismatic, throw out some words and, and what you think it means. It's a, a, a religious word. Um, and so we're going to look at some of those things. That makes sense, everyone? The other thing we're going to do is from time to time, I'm going to stop speaking, I'm going to pick up my guitar and start playing, uh, which is going to be interesting. It might be weird. Um, I really don't, I'd just, let's, let's just relax and have fun together. Um, but so worship is a big deal. Worship has also been a big deal in my life. Um, when I became a Christian, I was 
18, and uh, I'd, I learned guitar playing around a bonfire on Bournemouth Beach with a pint of beer and a spliff. So that was my background. And, um, and when I was 18, I went to uh, this Christian festival. And, um, and I, became, I just was amazed by the love of God for me. The fact that God knew all of my deepest, darkest thoughts, and yet he still wanted and actively pursued a relationship with me. I couldn't... I, I'd heard it, my parents are Christians, I'd known it for a long time, but the Holy Spirit, I would say, just convicted me. And I remember on a Wednesday night, just coming to my knees and going, Jesus, I want to follow you now. And, uh, and then the following night, the, uh, this lad who's the same age as me stepped up and led worship with like a six-piece rock band, and it was awesome. And I remember, I remember coming away from that, that, that Christian festival going, Lord Jesus, I want to follow you, and I want to be like that guy. And that, that was it. I said, I want to follow Jesus, and I want to be like that guy. <clears throat> and so I, I went off, and uh, I found somewhere where I could do like an internship. And I moved down to Eastbourne to do an internship working for the church. And I remember writing on my application for this internship. Uh, my name is John Bowyer. I became a Christian a month ago, and now I'm a regular lead worshiper in our church. And, uh, <laughs> and I just remember, like, this is what I want to pursue. Like, don't give me anything else. I'll give me Jesus and worship leader. And so I and so I really I was headstrong. That's what I wanted. Uh, and God is very kind and gracious. Um, put your hands up if you agree with me on that one. Yeah, a few of us. God is very, very kind and very, very gracious. And he uses our desires, however distorted they might be, he uses them to build his church, to bless others. And so um, I, uh, I started leading worship more and more. And, and eventually, I, I was on the big stage in Eastbourne with all the glory of the big lighting rig and the big band and the huge sound. And I loved it. I was like, wow, I've made it now. And, and then Graham and Belinda came, right, we'd like you to lead worship. We'd like you to consider moving to Seaford. I'm like, where? Uh, to lead worship in a church that we are getting off the ground there. It's small, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's very few people there at the moment. Right, there's no stage. No, no stage at all. Uh, any lights? No, no lights. Why do I want to go to Seaford? <laughs> Moved here eight years later, and, and it's been exciting, just building and growing as we learn to love and know God. Life is a relationship. Uh, we have relationships all around us, and God calls us into the ultimate relationship, the best relationship with him, to love and know him, to, to be loved by him. Uh, and so that's what happened. We moved to Seaford, and that's been my journey. So there you go. Um, so why worship? Well, worship isn't just a big part of my life. And as I said, worship is this religious word that we use. It gets thrown around a lot. But it means essentially to give worth to something, to say that thing is worthy of my attention. That thing is worthy of my pursuit. Um, and if we're not worshippers of God, then we are worshippers of something else. We're pursuers. We're lovers of something else. Uh, and and uh, C.S. Lewis uh, wrote this. That I, I read this last night. Um, uh, after a brief conversation with Jez, and I was just, this is beautiful. C.S. Lewis obviously wrote the Narnia books and is well known by most of us, many of us in this room. He says this, he says, the world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses. Readers praising their favorite poet. Walkers praising the countryside. Players praising their favorite game. I think we delight to praise 
And what we enjoy, and we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses it, but it completes it. My, I love Abby, right? For those of you who don't know, she's my wife. Um, and that would be a weird thing to just confess. Oh, by the way, there's a girl in this room that I really love. Um, and, and it's not, it's my praising her, my uh, showing of my love to her isn't something I, it comes naturally. It's an extension of what I feel like inside. I got to know her. And as I got to know her, I fell in love with her. No one taught me. Here's some things that you should know about Abby. Abby is a great cook. She's amazingly hospitable. She's very kind. Abby doesn't like that. Abby does like that. I go, oh, I love her. I love the sound of it. No, I met her. I got to know her. And the more time I spent with her, the deeper I fell in love with. And it's the same with God. It's a journey. As we read about him, as we learn about him from others, as we teach one another, as we sit down together in this setting and go, let me tell you about what Jesus has done in my life. We go, wow. As we experience him, him for ourselves, it changes us and we fall deeper and, and more amazed by who he is and what he's done. So worship is a religious word, but all of us are worshippers of something. And if you're not a worshipper of God, then it's, you just you pursue something else. And what God wants, our Father in heaven, knows that what is best for us is that we pursue him. He needs to become the object of our worship, not because he, he needs it. He, I mean, he's got a, a throne room full of thousands and millions of angels who are worshiping him 24-7. He doesn't need our worship, but when we do worship him, it's good for us. Like He loves it, but it's good for us. It gets our eyes off our situation. It gets our eyes off of things that fail us. Of, our, of, of things that disappoint us. You know, marriage is wonderful, but sometimes it breaks apart and it's heart-achingly painful. Uh, family is a beautiful thing, but if you've lost a loved one, then you know the pain and, and, and the unsatisfied response of the soul that goes, what has happened? Why has this happened? You go, well, it's normal, everyone. But God promises a relationship and love that you're never going to lose. He promises commitment that he won't ever walk out on. He promises unconditional and wonderful love. And, and the reason why I encourage us, why the, the Bible encourages us to worship God, is good for us. He's worthy, yes, but it's so, so good for us. That's some of the reason why we worship God. We, um, as we get to know God, as we read stuff in His Word, it, it evokes a response. As I said about, as I get to know Abby, as I spend time with her, it evokes a response. Jez said this morning about, we, we're going to breathe. Do you remember we started with that passage on, of the, from the Bible? And we said, we're going we're gonna to breathe in, or we're going to breathe out. We're going to empty, every, we're going to get rid of everything. We're going to breathe in truth. And then we exhaled our response in worship. We, we stood up and we sang, thank you, God. We breathe in truth of who God is. We receive it from knowledge, from, from the word of God, from one another, and we breathe it out. We go, thank you, God. We praise God. And it's as I get to know God that, I, that, I, that I'm able to sit here, and I think of all the times that, um, that God, so when I was, I, I, run a, a, I run a small business, and 10 years ago, I, my mower, my lawnmower broke. And, um, and I was like, oh, Lord, I need a mower. Like, 
I, I don't know what to do. I haven't got any money. Uh, I've got a mowing job on tomorrow. What do I do? And I remember I went to a party that night, and a friend came up to me and goes, I don't know if this is any help to you, but um, I've got this lawnmower, and, and I need to get rid of it because it's taking up space in my garage. I'm sure you probably already got a mower, but I need to get rid of it. Would it be any use to you? I was like, wow, thank you, Lord. Uh, that, that's exactly, I do need a mower. Mine broke yesterday. And it's as I, as, I, as I remember and recall truths like that, as I read things like, your love is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which I read in, in, in God's Word, in the Bible. And so as I read the truth like that, I'm able to go, wow, forever God is faithful. And I'm able to sing, forever God is strong. Forever God is with us. Oh, forever and ever. And I'm able to sing, Lord, restore this, this truth. Like, let it resonate in my soul. And so I sit here and I sit at home with my guitar. I'm like, forever God is faithful. And forever God is strong. And forever God is with us. And forever and forever and forever and forever. And, and, it's, and it's that. And then the music and the lyrics and the content of the song is just reminding me of truth that I already know, that I've seen, that I've caught a glimpse. I go, wow. And now I'm able to respond to this truth. See, part of the reason we worship through song on a Sunday morning, it gives us gives us time to process the truth, process what we know to be true about God, and it gives us time to go, wow, and now I will just respond. That wasn't hard for me to do that. I just, it comes naturally. It was, it's not hard for me to go, Abby, you are beautiful, you're wonderful. This is just going to be cringing, but it's now give me the right telling off by then. It's not hard for me to do that. Like responding to who God is, as we see, as we receive good news in the scriptures, as we hear about what he's done, as we tell one another, this is what God's done. And as we get to know him, Lord, wow, how incredible and beautiful is your love that doesn't fail. Jez said again this morning, it's quite annoying when you're about to speak and then everything that you get, you're about to speak, people bring in the, in the, in the, in the worship time. I forgot to say, I was going to say that, that's my main point. Um, so one of the things, we're not, worship isn't yoga, right? We're not sitting here going, I'm just going to empty my mind. I'm not I'm trying to find that quiet place. I'm trying to find that peace. I'm just trying to get myself out of this current situation. I just want to empty my mind, forget about all the stresses. I want to forget about the lunch. I want to forget about last night and what happened like that it was embarrassing. I don't want to remember that. I'm just trying to put everything out of my mind. No, no, no. What we do? Forever God is what am I doing? I'm, I'm, I'm reminding myself of truth. I'm not going, I'm not thinking about last night. Oh, I am thinking about last night. No, I'm not thinking. No, I'm still thinking about last night. Do you know what? I'm going, no, forever God is. And as I focus on who God is, all those things, they start to disappear and they find their, their right place. Anxiety, fear is a massive thing. Who's scared of the coronavirus? Everyone is. I was at a workplace this week and their colleagues, they're going, have you heard? My wife is freaking out about it, right? I'm like, Oh, really? I didn't think it was that big a deal. People are panicking. Uh, people worry about money. People worry about what's going to the financial crisis. People worry about knife crime in London. Let's, let's lift our eyes, focus our eyes on Jesus. Everything else gets put into its right place. I'm not saying that none of those things are con- aren't concerning. They are deeply. But we, as we fix our eyes on Jesus, we are able to reevaluate life. We can take hope. We can take comfort in that there is one who is greater than all of the troubles. There is one who knows about all the troubles. There is one who answers prayer. 
And so that's why we do it. It's um, another song, what's up in the key of G, for those who are musicians in the room. It's a really nice key. Another song that invokes a wonderful response. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Bit, right? When you get to the, the last verse, you're like, where the hell realm? Where the hell realm? Where the whole realm? There's a big difference there. And for me, when you hear that, you just this is the response to the song, okay? So it goes, truth of the first verse, when I survey the wondrous cross, when I look up, and then the third verse is, this is my response, like, if I have the whole world, I'd give it away for, to gain Christ, were the whole world, were the whole of nature mine, that would be an offering of worship, that would be an, a gift, like, way too small, love so amazing, love so beautiful, love so sacrificial, love so divine, demands like everything. And as we sing and we recall and remind truths, that's what we're doing on a Sunday morning as we gather here, as we sit here, as we stand here, as we sing, we remind ourselves. Music has a wonderful power to, to capture, c- capture our feelings, our deepest desires, 
and, and convey something to us of the mood, of, of the reality, or of the depths and the breadths and the heights and the widths. It, it, music is able to, to grab something in us. All of us are lovers of music. I've not yet met a person who said, no, I hate music. I, that would be an interesting person, in my opinion. But um, music has a wonderful ability to capture and dig and claw at our emotions. And when we use music and we take on the Word of God, we take truths about who God is, what He has done, attributes of His character, His kindness, His love, His wisdom, His grace, His mercy. As we take hold of those big themes and we sing them, we allow ourselves to respond. We express. We're able to convey something of how, our, uh, of how, we, are, how, how we feel. And music is wonderful. Uh, the Psalms is a, is a long book with uh, 150 or 149 odd songs written by David and a few others. And, and it's in the middle of the Bible. And it's beautiful. And, and what you see about the Psalms is, is when, well, let me, let me just give you five examples, for example. Uh, Psalm 47 says this, clap your hands, all people, shout to God with loud shouts of joy. Psalm 95 says this, sing to the Lord, make a joyful noise. And it says, kneel, kneel before the Lord your maker. Psalm 108, I will make melody with my whole being. And then uh, Psalm 121, that Kevin started with this morning, is I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord, the lifter of my head. And, 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 and then Psalm 130, out of the depths, out of the depths, out of the de- and this is a, a, like a lament Psalm 130. It's like a, a psalm that is like, I don't understand what's going on. I am aching. I am hurting. I, God, I don't get it. I know you're still God, but like, I, I hurt right now. And so in Psalm 130, he says, out of the depths, out of my depths, I cry out to Lord. What I want to say is, does our Sunday morning worship, or does our worship, does your worship at home, do you, do, you, do, you, do you shout for joy? Do you kneel before the Lord, your maker? Do you cry out with the depths of your soul going, what's going on, God? Because that's biblical worship. Like, God has given us these wonderful bodies which we are able to use every part, our minds to think. We're able to use our emotions to feel, to experience, our minds to rationalize, our bodies to express, to jump, to joy. Like we would always teach in the kids' work, when you're responding to God, why don't you, or, or when you're in a time of worship, why don't you just open yourself, like open your hands. People raise their hands just saying, I'm giving myself to something that is bigger, something that's greater, something that's above me, something that's beyond me. And it's a sign, and, and we use these signs as saying, I'm ready, I'm open, I'm responding. And so when David's writing, and various Asaph and a few others are writing these songs in the book of Psalms, he's like, here's, here's some body language to help you communicate something of your expression, something of your vocalization, something of what God's done in you. And, and so that's, that's part of the reason we do it. Singing helps us to express, vocalize, and articulate our gratitude towards His grace. And that's biblical worship. A song that we've introduced recently. Um, a song called Waymaker. You heard of it? 
Um, this is quite popular, I've noticed. And the reason, I think the chorus is very catchy. I think that's, when you analyze a song, you go, why does this song work? I think the chorus is very catchy. It says this. Um, you are a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You are a way maker, miracle worker, Promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. So we're singing truths about who God is, aspects of his character. There's, um, there's a part in the Bible in the book of Acts um, where Paul and Silas have been thrown into prison and... Um, they, uh, it's, it's, it's quite an interesting story. They're, they're in the town or a city called Trios, and they're being pursued by this woman who appears to be some sort of witch, or she's into witchcraft, and she's got owners who are, I think she's a slave girl, and, and, and they're making money off of her gift to tell the future. And she's following Paul and, Bar- uh, Paul and uh, Silas, and, she's, and she keeps saying to them, uh, she, and arguing with them, and Paul gets really wound up and goes, stop, like, just stop. And, uh, and he says, uh, there's a, um, there's a, like a, she's able to tell the future because there is a demonic spirit, a demonic power there is uh, in her that is giving her the ability to tell the future and, uh, and all that sort of stuff. And, and so Paul, just, like, like he speaks to the demonic spirit, he says, get out! And so this, and this woman, this slave girl, is then released from the power of this dark demonic spirit and so her owners all of a sudden are really annoyed because they're not making any money off her because she can no longer tell the future. And, um, and the whole city goes into uproar. And they, uh, they bring Paul and Silas before the magistrates, and they give them a proper kick in, like a beating. It says they beat them with sticks and rods, and they stripped them of their clothes, right? And then they threw them into prison. And prison in uh, Paul and Silas's time, as well, I'm sure, whether you can imagine isn't like you don't have a TV and a bed on, you know, a bed and a TV on the wall and, you know, a toilet in the corner. I wouldn't manage this, and it's probably nothing like that, right? It's probably like dark. It says he threw them into the innermost depths of the prison. Dark, 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 and like dark, and maybe some pretty bad smells as well. And, uh, and they're there, and it says they are praising God, singing psalms to him. And it's as they are, and you go, what are they doing? Like, they're probably aching. They're probably hurting. They're thinking, we're awaiting execution right now. They are going to kill us. They, they are going to execute us right now. But what do they do? No, they lift their eyes. They start singing songs, hymns, it says. They start telling, telling each other, winning each other, saying, look, look up. God, God is in this. God is in our lives. God is involved. God is worthy. And it's as they do that, that they're, well, there's a huge miracle and they escape. Um, Part of the reason we do this, we lift our eyes off our situation. And so this, this song, Waymaker, you know, you get to the bridge and it goes, Even when I don't see you working, even when I don't feel you working, you never stop, you never stop working, you never stop, you never stop working. And even when I don't see you working, even when I don't feel you working, you never stop. 
you never stop working, you never stop, you never stop, and yes, you are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. And then this is the, the verse. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship. That is something, I don't know if you've sung that and gone, that's an odd thing to say. God is here with us. When we gather, God is here. God has always desired relationship with humanity. He has long sought after, since the beginning of the world, creation of the world, he has sought after relationship with us. He created us to be with him. He created us to dwell in his presence, to enjoy his creation, and we lost that. And the Old Testament is a long story of God pursuing relationship with a people group and through whom he would reach the entire world and have community with them. And it culminates in Jesus. And in John 14, Jesus promises his people that there will be a day. He promises his closest friends and followers that there will be a day that he will go and they're like, don't do, don't do that, don't go, we need you. And he says, no, 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 it is, it is better for you that I go. Because when I go, there is going to be one, the person of God, the Holy Spirit, who's going to come and live inside of you. And he promises to that to us. Jesus himself, you ever think, well, these, these gospels or this writing, this is just, these are just uh, what people thought, you know, Jesus, or they've just misinterpreted. No, Jesus himself says, there's coming a day when I will go. I will ascend to heaven, and I will impart my Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, the person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is going to come and make his home in you and I. And you and I, as we gather here, as we give our lives to Jesus, as we submit and surrender and go, God, I'm yours. I thank you for the, for the cross. I thank you for what you've achieved for me. I believe in you, and I want to follow you. He gives himself to us. The person of God, the Holy Spirit, comes to live in us. God himself the one who we read about in the Old Testament on the, in the first part of your Bibles, who, who, who Moses like, can't approach. He says, you, you can't see me and live. Like, you, can't, you can't see me. He says, Lord, Moses, please, says, Lord, let me see you. And because and, and, I know you can't see me and live. You're, you're impure. You're, I am holy. You're not getting this. I am completely other, completely different, completely set apart. You can't see me and live. But now... Now God himself has come to live inside you and I. And so when we gather in this setting, God is here in our midst. He is with us. And so we sing in that song, you are here working in this place. That is God is here. God, Yahweh, the Holy One, the glorious one, the, the unapproachable light, the king of myriads and myriads, millions and billions of angels, him, him, by his Holy Spirit, is here right now. 
people comment on the worship time or comment as they enter this building. There's something different. There's something tangible. You would expect that if God was in the room, right? You'd, that, that doesn't seem altogether unnatural if God is in the place. God is in this room. And as we're able to sing like that. Better is one day in your course. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your course than thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your course. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your course than thousands elsewhere. Than thousands elsewhere. I'm able to sing that because if God is truly here, then that is the reality. God has designed us for community, community with one another, and ultimately community with himself. And we gather to enjoy his community. I mentioned at the beginning, we're talking about the charismatic. Charismatic, that religious word. The, the Oxford Dictionary, I did have a brief look, like, what does, what does, what does Oxford have to say about the charismatic? It's the, a religious word, they said, for when the power of God is in a place. They, someone is filled with the power of God, or the church is empowered by a deity. That is how they were using the word. That's what they said about the charismatic. And we are a church that believe that God is here with us when we gather. That makes us a charismatic church. But we're not that much of a charismatic church if it doesn't change the way we act in our worship. If God is here, then we're not very charismatic if we're just going, going through a set list of songs. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you get a really intriguing insight into the early church, this famous passage. Um, I should probably turn there. Let me just get there. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a church in Corinth, and, uh, and Paul is having to tell them off. And he tells them off because their meetings are chaotic. But what's interesting is he doesn't tell them to stop doing what they are doing. What he does is he tells them how to do what they are doing, which is so that there's, there's prof- people are prophesying over one another, bringing the word of God to one another. People are speaking in tongues. People are taking communion, and they're getting drunk. Uh, people are having affairs and crazy stuff all over the church. But he says, listen, listen, stop that nonsense. But he says, don't stop pursuing the gifts of God. Don't stop pursuing prophecy or languages. Like, don't stop pursuing those. Those are good things. Just, just do it with a bit more awareness of one another. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 14. What then, brothers and sisters, I'm going to put that in there too. What then, people? What then, church? When you come together... Each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, or a language, or an interpretation. But let all things be done for encouragement. And he gives a list of ways of how to do that well. He says, every one of you, every one of you has something to bring. Now, I know the way we do church can be sometimes a bit... We have a band at the front, and it can be easy to expect the band to do everything. We want to be a church where we are all involved. Every one of us. Every one of us has something. It's like a party. It's like a banquet. Do you remember last Sunday we all gathered here and we ate and we, someone brought like 
uh, scotch eggs, someone else bought crisps, someone else bought cake, someone else bought that amazing curry dish, uh, and someone else bought some drink, and, and everyone brings something, and you share it, and you enjoy it, united together. Everyone is of the same, uh, everyone brings something, and, and it's like that. It's not like a restaurant where you turn up, and the chef gives you like, right, here's what I've prepared, enjoy it. Uh, this is all really about what I've done and created, and I just want you to enjoy my produce. No, every one of us, church is meant to be a place where every one of us, each one of us brings something. We bring a word. We bring, this is what God's been speaking to me about this week. We had, uh, we had uh, Beverly saying about, this is what God has done in my life. And then we had Claire saying, this is what's going on in my life. And we started with a reading, and then we sang some songs. And so it's important that every one of us gets involved. It's not a gig. It's not a show. It's not about me doing my thing and you guys watching and going, wow, God, you're amazing. Look what you've done in him. No, it's about going, let me partake in this. Let's all enjoy him together. And we're going to do that now. We're going to break bread. We're going to take the wine for communion. And we're going to do that together. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, then this is for you. And if you're looking in, then don't worry about it. Just sit this one out. We're going to relax and enjoy taking the bread and the wine together or the juice. Say, God, we... We submit ourselves, we surrender ourselves, we center around you again, Jesus. If I've been worshiping other things, if I've been giving my attention to my, my time, my awareness to other things, if I've allowed them to, to, to take precedent over you in my life, then, then God, I want to say sorry, and I remember what you have done. That's what communion is. We take God, we take the bread, the body of Jesus, say, thank you, Jesus. This is how serious you take me. We take the, the, the wine or the juice and we say, this, this represents the blood of Christ that was shed for me. And Paul has a lot to speak about that in 1 Corinthians. He said, how we do that well. He says, it's something that we all do together. Do you know what? We often take communion. We're like, we're like I'm just going to, oh, don't talk to me. I'm in my silent place of thanking God. We can talk to another. Thank God for you. Like, God has done, I was with Ross on Monday and we were just talking about we're talking about really this and talking about God and what he, how good and how amazing, how wonderful he is and what he is doing in the church. And we both came away and go, wow, that was just so encouraging. I am encouraged. Not because Ross is an amazing guy. Ross is an amazing guy. Not because Ross is my best mate. Ross is a great guy. <laughs> I'm going to dig myself a trench. Um, but because we both talked about Jesus and we were both like, wow, Jesus is amazing. And so as we take the bread and the, and the wine or the juice, we say, Jesus, you are amazing. We tell one another, Jesus is amazing. We're going to sing together, Jesus, you are amazing. So why don't you stand to your feet? And we're going to respond together. I'm going to stand as well. Um, I hope that what I said has been helpful for us in trying to understand and come to grips with this thing called worship and some of the why that we do it. And Let's see if I can do this without knocking the mic off. So I'm going to start singing before the throne of God above. And as I start singing now, why don't you start making your way to the table? And I just encourage you, you don't have to, don't feel like this is a, I just encourage you to relax. I think is what I'm trying to say. Just let's relax. Let's enjoy the fact that Jesus has done this. Let's center around him again. Before the throne of God above. I have a strong, perfect plea, the great high priest whose name is love. 
Savior and my God. 